It's February 22nd, 2018. I almost said 2016. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's February 22nd, 2018. If only we could go back. <laughs> I'm in a time machine. It's, we're going to elect Hillary Clinton president. The Russians. I know so much now. We drank um, that much wine. We drank that much wine that we went into a time machine. This cheese in front of me is a portal. No. Welcome to Slash Sisterhood 2.0. Um, this is kind of the reincarnation. Um, we put out our first few episodes for you guys to listen to, but this is our more permanent structure. Um, I am here with some awesome, awesome ladies, two Katie's, an Anne Marie and a Becca. Um, and today we're drinking a bunch of wine. And today is February, what's today's date? 22nd? So it is about a week after the Parkland school shooting. Um, and I'm sure you guys are all, I'm hoping that this is still happening and still going strong. Um, but the national conversation has been not only about how trash the NRA is, which truth, um, but also about, um, how toxic masculinity is destroying men and causing them to lash out in acts of mass violence so we were talking today about this before we started recording, and I had a really shittily prepared idea about like women and credit cards, which I'll do sometime in the future, but we were all like, well, what if we just talk about all the ways that history would be different if we had never had this fucked up toxic masculinity that we taught to men for so many years? Um, so that's our conversation topic for the day, is we're going back in a time machine, not to 2016, although that's next on the list. But to all of our history of like, how would toxic masculinity, if we erased it, like how would getting rid of it change history? And Anne-Marie had a really, really good one. What was yours? Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr getting into a duel. Yeah. And the story behind that is something like them rowing out in a boat into the middle, onto some off the coast of New Jersey. Yeah, they went out in New Jersey. Of all the places for you to die. <laughs> and I think there was like a cliff and... They were in Weehawken. Yeah, the, they were in Weehawken. Yeah. If the musical is anything to go by. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything I know about this scenario I learned from Founding Brothers book. Great. Mm-hmm. But basically... Wait, have, you not, have you not listened to the Hamilton soundtrack? Nope. Oh my god, Amory, we'll talk about that later. I'm getting off topic. It's but. because I'm a nanny and the children have sung it for me oh, and okay. I've had quite enough <laughs> so of it. So you have, but not directly. <laughs> yes. Um, but my idea was two ladies <laughs> with two guns in New Jersey deciding to have a fight to the death, but not even an exciting one. Just one where you kind of, what you take a few paces, look each other in the eyes... And shoot, like, I just don't see that one happening. Yeah, like, if you, well, like, if you took, like, if, so, for example, if we had taught Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr that instead of going out to the fucking woods in New Jersey and shooting each other to resolve a problem, and we had taught them to instead talk about their feelings, like, how different would it have been if Aaron Burr had been, like, you know, Hamilton, I've just always been really jealous of your success throughout, like, and I feel, like, neglected by history, and Hamilton's like, no, bro, you're doing great, like, you're, you're doing great, your daughter loves you, this is fantastic. How crazy would that have been? I don't think it, it's even a matter of talking about their feelings, I think it's a matter of, like, 
having this sense of honor, like, yeah, that only a gun can defend, like, that was it, you know? Yeah. It was like they could not have a reasonable conversation. They didn't even, they could even say it in like a gruff voice, like, hey man, I think you're an asshole, you know, that, that did not go down. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've recently gotten very into The Crown, which I know is not... Katie just... <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that earlier. Are you thinking about the, the education episode where she learns that she hasn't been taught anything of yeah. practical use? Yeah. So, basically, for those of you who haven't seen The Crown, which if you haven't, stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> Go back and watch the, all two seasons of The Crown. See you in 24 hours. We'll be here. Um, and the... the there's an episode where the queen realizes that all she's been taught in school was, like, what was it? Well, for, she was taught the Constitution, which that's, like, useful. But it was all about also, like, how to carry on in high society and blah, blah, blah. But she didn't learn anything about politics. She didn't learn math. She realized she didn't even know basic math. Yeah. And those kind of things. And she's, like, gets mad at her mom. Is like, why didn't I learn this stuff? And she's, like, why would you need to learn this stuff? I didn't learn this stuff. And she has this, like crisis moment and actually speaking of the monarchy <laughs> the British yeah. monarchy I do have another toxic masculinity classic incident classic <laughs> King Henry VIII if, if they that hadn't, fucking guy <laughs> that dude <laughs> if they hadn't thought that women were like trash who couldn't lead a country he wouldn't have divorced his like all those women okay he didn't have a did he have a daughter by his he had a daughter by his first wife Yep, Catherine. If she could have been, if that daughter would have just been like, congratulations, you're the queen, they wouldn't have had to convert to Protestantism mm -hmm. to divorce. And, like, think about all the purges and counter-purges that came out of that back and forth. Like, how many lives would have been saved if you would have just been like, you don't need a dick to rule a country? Oh, <laughs> all right, that's cool. Like, can you just imagine if we're like, oh yeah, dicks don't really do much except for make us like. No, but, but that's do. where all of the brains are. So yeah. if you don't have one, right? You clearly I totally forgot that my brain is in my penis. I completely forgot. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! I uh, do have a friend who refers to the penis as the fish brain. The fish brain. <laughs> so maybe, indeed, men have two brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I was also thinking about, like, what about, like, all of, like, World War II? Like, how much of that was toxic masculinity and how much of that yeah. was, like... Well, because, like, all of, like, the whole, like, Third Reich is based on, like, basically, like, toxic masculinity yeah. of, like, there is only, like, one perfect man and, like, he's blonde and has white hair and, like... And, and the, the, uh... The whole, the whole idea of we can conquer all of Europe because we know the way was because of their vision of the perfect Aryan man. Mm -hmm. um, and that never included the perfect Aryan woman. Not that I think that that was ever really a thing. But it, the perfect Aryan woman was the woman who would raise the perfect Aryan man. Mm -hmm. um, just recently in Kenya, um, they're having a debate... Um, about the Me Too movement because, mm. you know, this is a global interconnected society and they don't, they don't live under a rock. But there was a uh, Kenyan, I, th uh, I think it was a member of parliament um, or some sort of elected official, um, and he basically said that 
women have a role in this uh, in a grassroots political movement, and it's being proud of the sons and the brothers who are doing all of the things. Uh, and obviously, Kenyan women were super pissed about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Especially, especially in light of the fact that uh, it is a Kenyan woman, Lupita Nyong'o, who is uh, basically conquering the entire entertainment world right now. Yeah. but Also, on a side note, proud. like, how are women even supposed to be proud? Because, like, <laughs> there's a lot of ways that men can express their pride, but if a woman is... Women bitch. should be proud, but quietly and silently. So just a secret pride <laughs> that they carry within them about men only. Not about anything they do. Yeah. Actually, I guess women being proud of men is an acceptable form of, like, being outspoken about your pride. This is kind of off topic. But <laughs> it sort of is, because if you think about, like, all the women throughout history have been like, I support my husband. I'm proud of him. And then you're like, good for her. But, like, she's never like, and I did something really great today. <laughs> like, like, what if Eleanor Roosevelt, instead of being like, my husband is great and I'm supporting his presidency, had been like, I'm a boss-ass bitch. I'm running the UN. Like, what, is, what are you doing today? Like, people probably wouldn't have liked her as much. I mean, not that people were like, no, oh, wow, she is <laughs> the, the, the perfect woman. Yeah. I mean, people, now we do, but... Yeah. Well, <laughs> she was not well-liked. Yeah, that's true. But, like, at the time, but, like, in history, like, if you yeah. go back, people view Eleanor Roosevelt favorably because she didn't threaten the masculinity of her mm. husband in, like, the public eye at the time. Yeah. Which is really messed up. Also, speaking of toxic masculinity around the Roosevelt's, FDR, would he have had to hide that he was in a wheelchair? I don't know. If toxic masculinity was never a thing? I guess I think that's a component, but I think ableism is more at the root of it. If we want to talk about the Roosevelt's and toxic masculinity, we should be talking about Teddy. No! (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) And his... Man's man. Teddy Roosevelt just decided that he would have his own army. That worked out well for him, and he became a celebrity because he, by some fluke, was successful. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know this about me, Teddy Roosevelt is my absolute favorite president. (laughs) I fucking love him. I'm not going to defend him because that's a useless, it's a useless use of my energy. But I will say that, like, I honestly, like, the bravado that he put on was very, like, definitely rooted in, like, a lot of toxic masculinity. He had a more playful energy about it. I, when I went to the National Portrait Gallery and I took, like, a tour, the tour guide said that, in his opinion... Um, Teddy Roosevelt is the only president who's ever enjoyed being president. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking loved it. And and he also, like, as as a uh, symbol of manliness and their loyalty and bravery uh, and loyalty towards him, he had all of his cabinet members jump into Rock Creek Park here in D.C. in the middle of winter naked with him. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Um, that's not it, good. No, it's not a good idea. It might lead to hypothermia. Yeah. Um, but that was how he wanted them to prove their manliness to him. Can I just that was close to death. Can I just comment that I bet all of their fish brains shrunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to be pretty fucking tiny. <laughs> 
That's have okay. Well, I'm also outing myself as a Bachelor Winter Games fan here because whatever, we're just laying it all out on the table here. That I love Teddy Roosevelt and The Bachelor, but like the Bachelor Winter Games, there is a scene where they all like go like get into like spandex suits to go speed skating, and the first thing the men said were like, "My penis is bigger than this." And I was like, I honestly was not even thinking about that. Like I was thinking about like, "Ooh, which one of you is gonna fall on your ass?" of you beautiful people is going to fall on your ass and I'm going to like kind of enjoy it because like you're on national television and you sign up for this <laughs> like but then he was like my penis is big except from Australia he was like my penis is bigger than this mate and I was like I didn't you know what's know? you know what's a weird study in like masculinity is the voice so I love that mm. show and it's mm. crazy because you think that Blake Shelton being a country singer, not to stereotype, would like fall more into that toxic masculinity. But he's actually much more open about being touchy feely with other men and like hmm. not in that way. And and then um, Adam, who's much more outspoken in progressive politics, is the one who's always like creeped out by being touched by other men and like it gets well. It could be. I lived in southern India in Tamil Nadu for a while and. I was oriented by an Indian fellow, and he assured me that there were no homosexuals in India. Wow. What to which eyes? I raised my hand and I said, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Freddie Mercury <laughs> was Gujarati, and I don't think there's any, uh, any doubts about his <laughs> sexual well, orientation. Sure about where that one ended up. Yeah. Uh, um, and I received, of course, silence. But um, because there was no homosexuality there, um, men were able to walk not hand in hand, but either pinky finger and pinky finger, or a uh, with the hand slid down the butt pocket of the friends. Okay. How is that less? Okay. Here's my question. How is that less, like, sexual and intimate to people than that? Well, when you're on your way to a gender-segregated dance... (laughs) Okay, fair. Which yeah. is a thing, also. Yeah. I, I lived in West Africa for a few years, and, um, yeah, toxic masculinity is definitely still a thing there, but it looks slightly different, because just like where you were, it's totally, like, a, there's a lot of um, touching between, uh, like, between men, and it's not considered homosexual. Um, no, it might be. I should say that th- we are pointing out cultural differences, but they, these may not be bad cultural yeah, differences. Yeah, no, they're, they're not. It was, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like men felt comfortable <laughs> enough with each other's friendship to hold hands mm-hmm. and yeah. that was normal. Uh, but toxic masculinity was still a thing there just because it looks one way in our country doesn't mean that it looks the same in every yeah. country, but it's still fucked up everywhere yeah and i think if you are trying to figure out which is worse like being homophobic and holding hands versus having like large-scale school massacres on a daily basis i'm gonna have to give america the most fucked up award yeah i mean i don't do an oppression olympics here although i do love the olympics and uh by the way women have won the majority of medals that the united states have won at the olympics um i think they won like 21 medals overall and women won 12 of those 21 medals 
Also, we had our first ever mother gold medalist. Oh, wait. Who? The cross-country skier. Oh, that's amazing. That's I didn't amazing. know that. Yeah. Crazy. Um, my dad recently has been watching, um, what's the Don Draper show? Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I had to stop watching it because it was like too accurate. And I'm like, this is like yeah, too messed like, up for me. Like, I can't like, yeah. like go watch this in my free time. But he's been watching it with my mom and he's like, I can't, <laughs> like, it's just, it's like freaking him out because it was so, he's like, I can't believe this is how things were happening. Even though like. Okay, he wasn't working in, like, the 50s and 60s or whatever, but, um... <laughs> well, there's also, like, it's also the conversation that I think is really interesting in terms of what's happening right now around the conversations about assault and bodily autonomy that, like, I was having... I was in... I was in New York for work, and I work at an organization that advocates for women's rights. I'm not going to say much more in case my boss finds this podcast. <laughs> um, but I was at an event in New York City, and I came home with my mom in the car, and the event had been largely about the Me Too movement and what was going on right now and how we're talking about, like, this incredible revolution for, like, sexual harassment in the workplace. And my mom was like, I don't understand. How is sex fun if you have to talk about, like, consent? And I was like... But, like, she genuinely couldn't understand. Yeah. Like, she felt like... The things that you know and the things that you accept as normal, like, if it suddenly changes so quickly, like, it's really difficult for people to understand, like, how things change. And that's also what's so scary to people in terms of, like, a changing society and culture. And, like, we're at a historical moment where, like, our president is a sexual, like, abuser and, like, harasser and assaulter. And he got elected less than two years ago. And now people are beginning to talk about, like, just, like, getting him out of office just based on that point alone. And, like, he's threatened by it. Mm-hmm. And he also was, like, I mean, Trump is a huge example of toxic masculinity. Yeah. In his, did anybody see the notes that he had with that, like, listening session he had with, like, shooting survivors? Mm-mm. One of them, number five on the list of a thing that he had to remember to say was, I hear you. Somebody had to remind him at a listening session. It's because he, I, well, this is also getting off topic, but he doesn't listen to anybody but himself. Well, yeah. Also, that. on but that that's note, like a toxic masculinity thing, right? When he was running for president, he had to assure the nation about his dick size. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that was an amazing moment. <laughs> also, you know what I don't care about? I don't care how you fuck. I don't care about your dick. If you're going to be president... It doesn't matter if it's a foot long. It doesn't matter if it's, like, the size yeah. of a Lysol can. That's not going to help you out. Unless it was written in the Constitution, like, you need to be 35 years old, a resident of the United States, native-born, also your dick needs to be 8 inches long. Like, that's <laughs> not in the fucking Constitution. I mean, and that just atmosphere of toxic masculinity around Trump has just leaked into international relations. Like, not that it wasn't there before, but especially now, like, the whole... Trump versus Putin, like, all... And how he treats Angela Merkel. Yeah. Whose like, dick is bigger? Trump what's or Putin's? <laughs> he wouldn't, like, shake her hand or something? Like... I don't remember. Yeah, he wouldn't shake her hand. Apparently he did shake her hand, but, like, only after she was like, um, dumbass. Oh, yeah. Are you gonna fucking shake my hand? I mean, I'm sure that's not and what Angela like, Merkel said. I'm sure she said something much more eloquent than that. But. And his, like, jerk handshake, have you seen gifs of that where he, like, oh, yeah. shakes the hand and then... It's like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's all based on, like, and then pulls you towards him. 
And then, it, and then after it, it, Trudeau like shook hands with him and like wouldn't get jerked, like it's all his based body. on like a nineteen eighties business school like power dynamics, the power shake, and it's like how you can gain an upper hand in business. Just take out your dick and shake your hand, their hands with your dick, like you know somebody was like, Mister President, please put your dick away. This is not the time of place. Like that. But then even like Trudeau, who's like a hero to the liberal movement in a lot of ways was like congratulated on not being jerked forward by the president. Like, Oh my God, you could be a GQ model <laughs> and you didn't even get jerked forward. <laughs> like you can be like in charge of whatever country you want. Justin Trudeau. Yeah. I mean, well, there's also the question of like how like Justin Trudeau, like, isn't that great on the environment stuff? Like he's like approved like a pipeline and stuff in Canada. But he's a beautiful man. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not anti him being it a is, beautiful I man. It is. I feel like those my feed, but that's not necessarily toxic masculinity because yeah, I mean, that's there's more, uh, wrong. a different problem because I will say like men can be fucking ugly and and yeah. be and, and be, still yeah be be like in positions of power but also sexualized like people are thinking about Trump's sex life and then. People are like, oh, can you imagine Hillary Clinton having sex? Like, no, because um, I'm not. Yeah, because about I don't that. usually. I'm also not thinking about like, Trump having sex, like, at all. Yeah. Yeah, politicians in their, like, 70s having sex? To like, be honest, the only politicians I've ever imagined having sex are the Obamas on inauguration. And it's a sweet Because of the way they were dancing, and I was like, oh, this is going to be it's the a most sweet, tender, intimate, like, sensual sex. <laughs> also, and, then, and then JFK, just because, like, he definitely banged in every single room in the White House. And well, he also probably banged, with different women. Like, different yeah. women, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a good example of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Because yeah. he's also someone who's, like, beloved, but has that very ugly side. Oh, He was yeah. also, like, on drugs the whole time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. speaking of... The they, records they, of his prescriptions... They, like, obliterate him in the crown. He comes off as Oh, yeah, such he comes a off as such a dick in the crown. Everybody should watch The Crown. <laughs> this is your every 10 minute thing that you should watch The Crown. <laughs> this, this podcast we are not is called, endorsed by The Crown. This is called Watch The Crown. <laughs> Other um, events in history that might have been different if toxic masculinity did not exist. Honestly, we could really say most wars. Yeah, every almost every war. They're almost always dick measuring contests. Yes, World War One. Somebody shot another dude, and then we all went to yeah. war. And all of us. It, yeah, that was another thing about honor. Like, oh, we're in this alliance. How are we going to look if we don't go to war? Blah blah. Okay, so to be fair, I just read. Um, Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. I recommend it. It's really good. It's there if someone wants to take it out. Are you looking down? Yeah. We're um, pulling it out. Double fisting wine and Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. Welcome to Slash Sisterhood, a podcast that aligns with your homebody interests. It's really good. And it's basically, it follows the stories of like some Russians, some Brits, some Welsh people, and like American and German, and just how like they're hurtling towards war, and it's like all these people are like, why are we doing this? Like, tell me why we're doing this, and they're from all different like stations of society, but it's all about like honor, like how will Britain look if we don't like stand by our ally France, and how will we look in this? Like, how will we show our faces? It's it's all about honor and basically looking tough. 
Yeah. There's toxic. I mean, that's every war, right? Like, think about Teddy Roosevelt's whole persona, which we, like, glorify, myself included. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Um, that you, uh, it's, I'm like a walking advertisement for Bad Fun fact, by I actually uh, own, I think, five pairs of fry boots, and I started buying them because I found out that Teddy Roosevelt always wore fry boots. Yeah, amazing. And I was like, oh, I mean, it was like, it's just a historical enthusiasm thing. It's not, it's not buying boots. Not that all women are into shopping. I just like my feet to be appropriately dressed. Also, you're allowed to be into shopping because it's 2018 and we're complex, complicated, multi-layered women. Okay. So I love The Bachelor and I love Teddy Roosevelt and I'm also a feminist and I work in a feminist organization (laughs) and I spend my days reading feminist theory. Welcome to my life. (laughs) And then applying it to The Bachelor. Um... (laughs) Which, by the way, I have a lot of interesting thoughts about how the real love on The Bachelor is actually between the women. The, like, love, romantic relationships are bullshit. That's a side tangent. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was talking about. Other events that are uh, influenced by toxic masculinity. Te- and Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> and also Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. This is also this now. This is mostly just a Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> podcast now. Um, and also about... I think we all need more wine. Yeah. Um, or less wine. Um, I think, I mean, I think another thing that would have been very, very different, I mean, all wars, definitely. The whole Vietnam War, why were we there? We thought our way of doing stuff was better than their way of doing stuff, so we went and killed a bunch of people. Seriously, that was it. What? Wars. And then going back to just, like, who can rule, like... Every, almost every civilization, mm-hmm. like, older civilization was patriarchy. Sorry. Uh, like, especially, like, the Romans. Mm-hmm. I talked about that in the first episode where yeah. women couldn't do anything. Like, they weren't allowed to participate in civic life at all, in military life at all. And that's how the Romans defined themselves, was by politics and war. So. Yeah. Well, it's also the same with, like, um... Like, the way that, I mean, all of, I mean, 2016 election, let's get into it, would have been very different if we had recognized, like, toxic masculinity. Although, would Donald Trump have ever even won the nomination? Like, probably not. We'd probably all be with, like, President Jeb Bush right now. One of my friends has a saying that, like, she was, like, she works in politics with me, and she was like, oh, I wish I had a President Jeb Bush right now. He would have thought out policy papers, and I would vehemently disagree with everything (laughs) he said. Like, I would not, like have to, like, take to Twitter at 2 a.m. to, like, see what he wrote while sitting on the toilet. I, like, none of this would be my life. Well, but it's an interesting thought process. I mean, it's also upsetting that the fact that we had a president who was not defined by toxic masculinity and our nation decided, no, what we want to switch back to is toxic masculinity. I mean, yeah. Obama... Well, like, I mean, you could argue that Trump is the most toxic president since, like, what, like, JFK? Yeah. And JFK's toxic masculinity played out in his personal life more so than it played out in his policies. Yeah. I mean, not that I ever had, like, a chance to. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) he died pretty early. And we all glorify his presidency, which was two years long and didn't really do much. Except Um, for Peace Corps, which I will. The Peace Corps was amazing. All the time. Fucking great. Yeah. Um, But, like, you know, like, in terms of, like, the way that we glorify him and the the way and the accomplishments that he made, like, it's an interesting. 
I also think it's an interesting testament to like Lyndon B. Johnson. Actually, Lyndon B. Johnson was even more t toxic than JFK. Yeah, he used to be like one of my fave presidents until I was like, oh, I now I know stuff about history. <laughs> <laughs> He's like not as great, but I used to give him a lot of cred because he got done what JFK wanted to do. Right. Um, and so he was like passing through all those things. But yeah, I mean, I've read all three of his like huge giant like biographies. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the author right now, but I'll put it in the notes for this episode. And he just used to invite people to his office and then just go and sh like take a shit on the toilet and open yeah. the door and just talk to you while he was taking a shit. What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Like, that was all an intimidation tactic of like, I can like be more vulgar than you because I'm more powerful than you and you have to be deferential to me. Because, like, I'm more powerful. Well, and I went to business school, and the vast majority of our capitalist system is built on toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. So much of what I was taught in business school related to, like, power dynamics mm -hmm. and how to get the upper hand in negotiating and, like, never give an inch because... They'll take everything from you. You always have to be the best. And it, it it felt gross even as I was learning all of it and was like mm -hmm. totally steeped in that culture. And now that I'm removed from it, it feels even grosser. Um, yeah. Which is why I am a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to share something. Yeah. I was just fact checking it on the computer. But my cousin, when she was an undergrad, she came back from South Africa and she was like, yeah, it's kind of a backwards country. Like marital rape there wasn't outlawed until 1993. And I was like, let me look at when it was outlawed in the U.S. Yeah. Sure enough, 1993. <laughs> and also, I just uh, found out that there's like a legal double standard now in Ohio and maybe some other states for like sexual misconduct within marriage versus other relationships mm -hmm. which makes no sense because well, child marriage is still legal in a lot of US states yeah, as yeah. long as the parents of both parties agree or consent, whichever whichever yeah. whichever is the minor is the like minor agrees yeah. um and so that's even in the U.S., that's the way a lot of... And the other thing is we say child marriage, but, like, what we actually mean is a little girl getting married to an older man. Because, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but that is... The vast majority. 14-year-old boys are not super interested in marriage most yeah. of the time. <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Well, I mean, like, how about all the ways that we, like, say, like, good for you landing a younger woman, and then, like, it's a problem if... Like, a woman is with an older... Like, is with a younger man. Like, she's a cougar. She's a cradle robber. I dated somebody uh, 18 months younger than me. And, like, from the way he was talking, you would think it was the biggest fucking scandal. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were both at the exact same stage in our lives. Like... At a school for a while. Yeah. Well established, living in the same neighborhood, friends, you know, paying our bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 18 I mean, months. That's a year and a half. Yeah. And 
like the president of France is married to a woman much older and we don't hear anything about her other than she's so much older than him. Oh my god. What a score for him. Like <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't know much about her. I don't know if she wants to be in the public eye and wants to have like a a pop. I don't know. If she has policy issues that she cares about, but we never hear about those in the U.S. We only hear about how old she is in comparison. Well, to like we maybe she doesn't care about. I don't think things. Melania wants to be in the public eye, and like <laughs> we hear about her fashion and makeup and the way she raises Baron. I mean, that's another thing that I time. think would be really different if we got rid of, like, this toxic masculinity, this idea that women don't have worth compared to men, right? And that men need to show their strength and power is that, like, women... Let's assume that the patriarchy is also... <laughs> what is that noise? Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you can hear that. My roommate loves popcorn. He's eating popcorn. Listen... Do what you gotta do. Who doesn't How love a delicious snack? Go for it. I ate some before we started recording. Guys. I will assure you that after this podcast, more popcorn more will popcorn be consumed. More popcorn will be consumed. We'll keep drinking wine. Um, so I think the thing that I think would be so different is like let's imagine the patriarchy is still a thing, but it's not toxic masculinity, right? Like we still believe. Oh, I hate this, but like you know, like let's imagine like we got rid of toxic masculinity, but like the patriarchy is still a thing and it's fucked up, but at least it's not like murdering. Them children in schools so the which like, like you say like it sounds so hyperbolic no <laughs> it's real that happened a week ago the fact that children, children men <laughs> murdered children murdered in children in school well not all children but like not every child that people goes are dead and it's because a grown man prescribed prescribed to like really toxic ideas of masculinity and went to a school and shot a bunch of people so i'm not even being hyperbolic that's real welcome to 2018 america but, like, I think that it would be really interesting if, like, we had gotten rid of toxic masculinity, but the patriarchy was the same. But, like, first ladies would have very different platforms. Like, think about what if Michelle Obama didn't have to worry, right, about looking like she was overpowering Barack by having, like, real meaningful policies she wanted to drive forward. And Michelle Obama had, like, incredible commitments also, to, like, health and well-being and, like, I do feel like activity. the the policies are very much, like, at-home policies. Like, yeah. education, that war on drugs. I, I think that was an intentional choice because right. if you look at what happened to Hillary Clinton when mm-hmm. she was first lady, mm-hmm. her policy choices were much less home-based. They were much less maternal and she was villainized mm-hmm. yeah i mean hillary and she tried never to, got over that hillary tried I mean, to pass, sorry, not her personally no but, but like she her, was never her able image to, never got over yeah it. like she personally tried to pass like the first major health form of care reform put forward like forever in the 90s and they villainized her to become like this like crazy person who wants to take away your health care and like that's also something that, like, why the, isn't she letting her husband do it? Like The right does that, like, when <laughs> when we're like, we should expand Medicaid, and then somehow rhetoric just, like, flips, like... <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I don't really understand <laughs> it. Like, they told the Parkland students, like, paid actors, which, did you hear that one of them said, if any of them saw m- me in the production of Fiddler on the Roof, they would know that I am not a paid actor, that I am not... <laughs> paid actor like that nobody would pay me to act and I was like snap those man. students are amazing like it's so incredible that they're going out and 
speaking up, especially when they're at the same time processing trauma. Like, that's incredible. Well, yeah, but this I, is the way they've chosen to process that trauma of, like, not just, like, sitting at home and crying, but saying, I'm going to fucking get up and do something. Now is when people are paying attention to me. But to me, it's also interesting because, like, their voice is given so much validity because they've been in a school that's shot up. But, like, I think that any child that, like, goes to school and fears being shot or any parent who has a child that is in school should have an equal voice. You Listen, know, like it's tomorrow we are having my the elementary school that I teach at, we are having our first in many years lockdown drill. Wow. Um I know that I am gonna have students who cry. I know that I am gonna have students who spend the rest of the day speaking with our social worker about the and and I uh am not teaching at um, a, a school where there is a lot of outside trauma like that. Mm-hmm. There are many schools like that. That's not one. That's not where I teach. But I'm gonna have to go through the scenario of if what would happen if someone comes to the school and wants to kill all of my students? Am I gonna take a bullet for them? Where am I gonna put them? Literally in my classroom, can I I'm not the sure. That gets armed. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how I can hide them. I have I have shot guns before. Yeah. Uh, I am technically, I think, still a member of a uh, rifle club in Michigan, oh. only because in order to use a, a target practice, so my uncle could teach us how to use the safety of the gun, we had to become a member of the. Lo- it was basically just a field. Uh, but if you paid $10, you got to be a member I mean, I shot a, a gun year. outside my boyfriend's house in West Virgi- in Virginia, not West Virginia. I'm sorry, not West Virginia. <laughs> you're very adamant, I tell you that. The year Virginia. is in southwestern Virginia. But, oh my god. <laughs> sorry, babe. Um, <laughs> in southwestern Virginia, of, um, like, I just shot it outside his house and I need to permit. Yeah, I was going to say, the year is now 1859 and there is no West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> this is pre-Civil uh, War America. Yeah. Yes, I am not opposed to the idea of guns. I but tomorrow it is going to break my heart to watch my students have to practice what happens if someone comes to try to kill them. And I know what hap- what's going to happen if someone tries to kill them is there is going to be a man because let's honest, it will be a man. It 3% will not be of a woman. mass shooters are women, to be clear. And it will be a man who has been brought up to believe that uh, he is owed a lot of things in society, by society, by the world at large. And if he does not get them, then he has every right to be angry enough to kill innocent people. And I have spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks processing this uh, on my own, with my therapist, with my coworkers, uh, not so much with my students because they're so young that if they aren't talking about it, I'm not gonna. You're not. Intru- gonna I'm not gonna it, yeah. introduce that trauma to them be- just because they are so young. Um, but I'm gonna have to practice what would happen. I'm also. In my elementary school. I'm wondering what the extent to like. If we're telling an elementary school like this might happen. Like, makes it almost seem okay in their eyes. Because, like, there is this 
you know, this notion of like a critical mass, like there was that one island that's always used in these like sociological books, like where a certain number of people started committing suicide and then it just, it basically there was a snowball effect and like Mm -hmm. a lot of people took their own lives and I'm wondering like if you tell a kid like this might happen, like how much it, I want to say legitimizes it, but that's not the best word. Like, well, and we don't even know because we aren't the the CDC and other governmental organizations are not allowed to study the effect of gun violence in the way that we mm-hmm. are allowed to study the effect of suicide. So there are CDC guidelines on how media is allowed to talk about suicide, yeah. and when they don't follow those guidelines, like for example, when um, Robin Williams um, committed suicide. Uh, there is a statistically significant and like measurable effect of suicides increased. I don't know the exact percent, so I'm not going to make up a number, but suicides increased because of the way that the media talked about it and they were sort of sensational, sensationalizing um, his suicide. There are guidelines as to how the media can talk about suicide that sort of prevent that. There are not guidelines on how we talk about mass shooters and we have no idea because we aren't legally allowed to study gun violence. We aren't allowed to study the way, does the way that we talk about these mass shootings, does that perpetuate perpetuate them? Because I I see toxic masculinity and I teach seven year olds. I, Mm -hmm. I see toxic masculinity in my students. And it's fucking depressing, and I'm trying to do as much as I can against it, but it's I mean, yeah, sad. sorry. I mean, it brings up something important that, like, I don't know if any of you read the Michael Ian Black op-ed that was in the New York Times, I think it was today, um, called The Boys Are Not Alright. Um, and it's all about how toxic masculinity is killing us, literally. We're talking about that right now, and, like, gun violence. And also, like, it's killing our boys. Like, it's making them stunted emotionally it's making them unable to process the feelings they have and I think it's really important to talk about like or to think about at least like how you know feminism isn't just about like there's this misconception that feminism is about like just lifting up women there's something that Michael Ian Black said in his piece that was good but not great that like I wish he had just phrased a little bit differently about how women have experienced this like revolution of how they can talk about their feelings and their emotions and be multi like faceted people and be multi-layered and like be you know like all these different things at once right like Mm -hmm. I can be having a panic attack about my wisdom tooth surgery because I'm a you know have dental anxiety hi welcome to my life um Um, but then I can also be a really strong independent woman who you know, is panicking, freaking out about this, and needs the support of her community in this time, but knows that in many other facets of her life, she's strong and independent, right? And, like, men don't have this same, you know, he tries to get at that, like, men don't have this same system, right? Like, men don't have the same... I think a comparable um, scenario is, like, a stereotypical, like, woman when she is in a breakup, it's, like, society kind of dictates, like, her girlfriends are going to come over with, like... Ice cream, kind of and ice wine, cream, yeah, and a pizza, and they're gonna watch a bad movie, and, and they're gonna no... lay in bed and throw chocolates at the TV, all illegally. Yeah, and that. I was just talking to a good friend who uh, recently went through a breakup, and she was like, "I just felt so loved by my female friends, and so supported." And 
she kind of knew the relationship was going to end, but that didn't make it easy by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, I think that situation kind of demonstrates, like, because she said that she knows that that guy just, like, moved on and, like, found another girl that, like, maybe he didn't like or whatever. Like, he just kind of needed to fill a void because, like, he didn't have that support structure. Um, not because he was, you know, fucking Casanova and all the ladies were lining up to suck his dick. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just like, I need to find anybody else. Anybody, are you listening, ladies? ASAP, you know, like, it was just like, also men need kind of a shoulder to cry on. And it's often a female shoulder that they're looking for, like. Tangential point, but that's why male teachers are treated like gold and and they kind of should be in that boys and men don't have enough um they they don't have the emotional supports that they need because we as a society have said you don't need them you don't cry you're fine uh but male teachers especially at the younger years are so important because they provide that vision of like what you can be right yeah you don't you don't generally teaching is a very female heavy profession and there aren't enough men who are there to to show that it's okay to care about shit it's okay to care about to care about shit that's not yourself yeah Mm -hmm. And they don't, they don't have enough examples of that in their own lives. Yeah. And also assume a child-caring role because, let's right. be real, like, education is, like, education, but it's also child care. Yeah. I think, you know, this is a really good place to kind of wrap up and talk about kind of, like, what people who are just listening at home who are just thinking about, like, oh my God, you're right. Talk about something that's so fucked up and I'm not in the future without toxic masculinity and, like, how many fewer... Wars we get into, how Trump's no longer president. Um, just saying. Um, and uh, just there will about, be a like, day. There will be a day. Um, if it's four years, if it's a couple years from now, or six if years from now. If it's the day the bomb Okay, let's off, who knows? seriously <laughs> not jinx it, girl. Listen, I'm knocking on wood for the record. I mean, I will say that I work in politics and I see pretty heavily that Trump. A year and a half into his presidency has not really hit above 30% approval rating. So things are not looking good for the big guy in the White House. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Who knows in a month. Maybe that changes politics. Who fucking knows anything anymore? Um, who knows anything? Nobody knows anything. Welcome to 2018. Um, so I think that this is a good point to wrap up and talk about how, what are some actionable things that, like, maybe we're trying to do personally in our lives in this moment of, like, reckoning with like mass violence and toxic masculinity and like whether that's just like reading more about it or you know talking more about it with the men in our lives or giving them that space to be emotional I think is kind of a nice way to kind of close this out because it is tough to like talk about such a big problem right like mm-hmm. how do you change all of how society views masculinity like fuck like you're I think not gonna change that in yeah I think it's hard to do as a woman but I think yeah. that Particularly as a mother or a partner of a man, you have probably the most influence over them. And just saying, hey, how about you talk to your best friend and know you're going through a hard time. Like, kind of pushing him to reach 
out to somebody other than you and reassuring maybe your son or a younger man, <laughs> a child boy a ch- in your life. Yeah. Um, a child boy. Child boy. <laughs> Got it. Love it. Um, I mean, I have dated men in their 30s who are referred who to are child boys. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but just assuring them that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to be expressive in yeah. ways that aren't aggression, physical aggression. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, celebrating vulnerability and, like, not meeting those moments. So, personally, I'm someone who, like, gets a little bit uncomfortable when things get very emotional and sensitive. But, like, meeting those moments with just earnestness and honesty and vulnerability um, mm-hmm. when the men and boys reach out to you in that spirit. Or the man boys. Or the man boys. Yeah, <laughs> the child man boys. <laughs> and then also, like, going back to the kids, I work or I play with, um, through an organization, children experiencing homelessness once a week in the age range of three to seven. Mm-hmm. And on the seven-year-olds, you're definitely seeing that toxic masculinity. But on the, the three-year-olds, they're still so like fresh and innocent and they don't know the difference between like they're not socialized yet to I like I want to wear that dress versus I want to wear that policeman's outfit or etc so just like if you have kids in your life don't be the first person to like shove them into a gender role just let them explore the world um, without like imposing toxic masculinity on them because you would be surprised even people who are against toxic masculinity how easy it is to kind of like fall into those yeah and like not know that you are imposing that on someone else because it we also went through an unconscious bias training and it is like you really have to like rip it out of your brain and look at what you're doing and and even if it's not in you there are so many resources around you that are just steeped in this there aren't books for seven-year-old boys who love horses Mm -hmm. there aren't there are there are there there are more and more books for seven-year-old girls who love science and rockets and monsters which is great, and we definitely need more of those. There aren't as many for boys who love to dress up. There aren't as many for boys who want to talk about their feelings. And I think anytime we find something that is supporting that, we really need to shout it. We need to support it. We need to make sure everyone knows about any, any of these resources. Because even if you are totally you're thinking about this all of the time you are totally aware of gender bias you're aware of toxic masculinity and you want to do as much as you can against it sometimes the resources around you just aren't there to support that yeah i think for me there are a couple of things one if you are a man listening to this podcast and somehow you clicked through play on the title, like how toxic masculinity, whatever it is we decided to title this episode about toxic masculinity and you're still listening and you're still enjoying this and you're like, wow, shit. Like (laughs) I've been through some stuff as a man. Like, yeah, like feminism isn't just about like women supporting other women and women rising up in society. It's about making you guys more equal with us too. So that means giving you guys that emotional vulnerability and also, helping you achieve that like 
emotional awareness and empathy that I think comes a lot more naturally to women because of the way we've been raised, um, which is another whole episode to talk <laughs> about the way that women are raised to be more emotionally vulnerable than men. But I think it's all part of that toxic masculinity umbrella. So this is a note to say thank you. And you are loved and appreciated and like your efforts to change your relationship to toxic masculinity is appreciated. Um, it takes one person to tell his friends that it's cool to cry if you're sad, you know, that like sounds so obvious, but like it's, it is really hard for a lot of men who are raised in this culture. You you have to be willing to be that guy at the party. Yeah. You have to be willing to be that guy who's like, Hey bud, it's okay. Like you can cry. And I think another thing is that I personally have done for anybody listening to this podcast who identifies as a woman or queer or fan or like kind of like has embraced that you know, emotional, empathetic side of themselves is to, I always ask the men or, you know, male identifying folks in my life, like how they're feeling about things that are happening to them that are big. Um, I say, how are you feeling about that? And that's kind of big. Like, how are you doing with that? Like, my God, that sounds awful. Like, how do you feel about the thing that happened to you at work? Like always asking them how they feel and not just like, how's that going? You know, the words you use are important. It's going to take practice. It's not going to happen overnight. But trying to remember to check in with your male friends about their emotions as well is really key to dismantling toxic masculinity to even if it's just you who is queer or femme or identifying, even just you have this empathetic side to yourself and you are male identifying, that's okay too. To just say like, hey man, how you doing? Like, how's your day? Like, I saw that Facebook status from you. That sounds like a rough fucking day. Like... That sounds terrible. Like, how are you doing? Do you want to grab a drink? Do you want to co- have coffee? Do you want to, like, come over and just, like, watch The Bachelor with me? <laughs> Pitch to people. I don't know why people don't take me up on it. Um, but, like, you know, like, it's, like, this kind of, like, oh, giving them that space to, like, be emotionally vulnerable with you is really key. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. Yeah. Katie's <laughs> shirt says that right now, and it's on brand. And uh, we love you all. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I hope you all are doing okay in this really rough moment. You're all going to probably listen to this in two or three weeks, so hopefully it won't feel as raw. Hopefully there won't be another mass shooting, although statistically there <laughs> probably will be because I think there's already. America. And um, for any of you who are wondering like okay that's great how can i help with like solve the problem of gun violence um you should donate to every town for gun safety they do really incredible work also moms demand action does really incredible work and they're paired up with every town for gun safety and there's tons of feminist organizations that you can donate to or work with um and you should definitely volunteer to tutor or do anything with youth in your in your local community um and kind of help work with young boys in whatever way you feel is appropriate for you to kind of encourage them to be empathetic. And as always, look at your local politicians, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from the school board to the city council. See how much money they've taken from the NRA. To your, you know, state representative, to your... Uh, representative in the House, uh, in, in in the U.S. House of Representatives, um, look at all of them, and if you don't like what you see, uh, donate to what you want to see, or run. Vote, or run see. yourself, or vote to change it. We believe in you. 
Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.